When I first intentionally started posting on Instagram back in 2018, I never had an inkling that I would eventually make this my full-time job and that social media would basically become my entire career. Nowadays, the job is becoming incredibly lucrative with more and more creative entrepreneurs wanting to become influencers and content creators as an actual career. That being said, it is not an easy feat, and most of us already know this. There are truly so many things that you need to know, master, and plan for in order to build long-term success as a creator. I'm Kristen Busquette, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years, and I've brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with Magda Huala, the Director of Strategy at Aspire, one of the leading platforms that connects high-quality creators with trusted household brands. Magda oversees the team of strategists at Aspire, a team that focuses on ensuring that all of Aspire's clients have a clear understanding of the influencer industry as a whole, trends across platforms, and ultimately what to track to understand the business impact of influencer marketing. Her guidance has helped brands such as Zevia, Freshly, Bed Bath & Beyond, L.L. Bean, and Walmart both expand their influencer programs and increase campaign ROI. She has worked in the influencer marketing agency since 2016, both on the brand and agency side, so it's safe to say that she's seen what it takes to become a successful creator, having worked with so many throughout her career. Today, we're diving into things that you need to know in order to start making content creation a lucrative career for the long run. We're giving you the scoop on how to monetize with brands, how many followers you need to have to be successful, how to turn one-off campaigns into long-term partnerships, and the things that you need to know about the future of influencer marketing to plan for long-term success. We're giving you the scoop on all things creating a career in social media influencing and creation. This, my biz BFF, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 53 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and I'm so excited that you're here. I can't believe I just glossed over this last week like it was nothing. I have officially been running Social Scoop Podcast for one year. This truly would not be possible without all of the support and love and loyalty that you guys have shown in the last 52, 53 weeks. I'm so excited about this podcast. It's my favorite part of my job. It's what brings me the most joy. I love being able to have conversations that are going to be beneficial for you, but also just conversations that let me know that I'm not alone and and really can just help in general. So thank you so much for listening to Social Scoop, for sharing it with your friends, for leaving us reviews. That is truly the best compliment that you can give us. So Thank you guys so much. It truly would not be possible without you. So we first have to start off this week talking about what the heck happened last week, okay? Instagram was down on Halloween and the world literally had a panic attack. (laughs) If you worked in social media on October 31st, last Monday, the day was probably pretty stressful for you. I know for me, I was deep in having an anxiety attack basically the entire day. Around 10 a.m. Eastern Time on October 31st, thousands of people realized that they either lost hundreds or thousands of followers or their account was suspended for like no good reason, right? 
Typically, there are similar glitches to this when Instagram does cleanouts of spam accounts, bots, etc. But there hasn't been a bug this massive in years. So it really blew up the internet. On Twitter, there is an account, Instagram com. It's like Instagram communications where anytime something is down or there's bugs or things like that, they will post their communications there. Over 19,000 people left comments on Instagram's Twitter posts saying that they were aware that people were having issues accessing their account and they were working on it. Most of those people were saying that they were locked out of their accounts. I can't even imagine. It didn't happen to me, thankfully, but I did lose hundreds and hundreds of followers. I assumed at first that what we were seeing was from them just deleting spam accounts. So I was like, sick, bye. Like, you can leave. That's totally okay. But most of it was from people getting suspended for no reason. Thankfully, most people did get their account back by the end of the day, but I have talked to plenty of people who are still dealing with having to get their account back and are having trouble. Some people's accounts were just never recovered, and many people were considering this kind of their last straw with the app, especially after Adam Masseri, the head of Instagram, literally retweeted the communications tweet and just said, our apologies, dot, dot, dot. Like, there was no explanation, no plan to resolve issues that people are still having. It just felt like they glossed over it like nothing really happened. This is kind of just another tick in the con column of dedicating our lives to Instagram, you know? Like, they're not doing themselves any favors. So that was a crazy day. I'm happy that it's over. I really hope that it never happens ever again because it was very stressful for literally everyone. (laughs) Meta has officially announced the gifts feature on Instagram. So as a creator, you can earn money when you receive, quote, gifts on your posts. So once you enable this feature, people will be able to send you gifts on all of your reels. And this is basically a way for your audience to show their appreciation. This is something that Instagram officially announced, but they didn't really give us any other details other than this. So I don't know how much it costs to actually send a gift. I don't know if you as a creator receiving the gift receive 100%. I don't know if this is only on certain posts. I don't know if you need to have a certain amount of followers to actually activate this feature. So those are all still questions that I have. But I have to say, I just feel like this feature is not really something that a lot of people are going to use. I know we have badges on Instagram Live, and I would say a solid 75% of the time, if I ever go live, no one's buying a badge. We are so used to free content, and so the idea of actually like paying or compensating people, I just don't think people are used to it enough for it to be like a feature that they need to be dedicating themselves to right now. Like Again, I think we have bigger problems, Exhibit A, last week. Maybe that we should be focusing on, um, but, you know, that's just my opinion. In this announcement, though, they did also announce the ability to create and sell NFTs on the app. Let me just give you my quick rant on NFTs. I don't understand them. I don't feel like they're sustainable. I don't know if people actually care about them. And so, again, is this, like, really where we're going on Instagram? Like, we want to sell NFTs. I feel like there are 50 other apps for you to do that. Um, Again, just feels like Instagram having an identity crisis. Like, oh, let's try this and see if people really like it. But I just... I don't think, A, people care enough about NFTs, um, but B, especially people on Instagram, maybe I'm wrong. 
I could be totally wrong. Just my opinion. Instagram is testing the ability to add music to posts. So when you're in the area where you would normally get your post ready for it to go live, you will see the quote add music option where you can choose from different songs on Instagram to actually accompany that post. So the music will play when someone views the post and then you'll see the title and artist of the track at the top of the post right under that location tag. Again, very reminiscent of MySpace. I talked about this last week as they were actually testing the ability to add music to your profile in general. This also reminds me of what TikTok is doing where they're allowing you to create carousel posts that actually go to the music. And so I wonder if this is what sparked them actually creating this feature. Overall, as someone who Music isn't a huge part of what I do on social media. I don't know that this is something that I'll use, but if you are someone who, you know, does things with dance or does things with music or or entertainment in that way, I think this could be really helpful for you. A huge update that I think many, many people are going to be really excited about. So if you've ever accidentally removed your reel from your profile grid, you will now be able to hit that dot, dot, dot on the post and then actually add it to your profile grid so you can add it back. This is also really great if you have a reel that maybe you just posted to reels and you realize afterwards, wow, people really like this. Like maybe it should live on my feed. You can always add it on there after. So I think this is a really great option, whether A, it was a mistake or B, you kind of just realized later, maybe I should have posted that to my feed. I don't know why this feature took so long. Like I think we've needed it for a very long time. I remember accidentally removing a sponsored reel and having a straight up panic attack because obviously the brand paid for that post like they needed to stay on there so I went deep into the depths of reddit and actually had to like download these sketchy weird programs and like eventually I was able to put it back on but I was like there's no way my computer is coming out of this without a virus like it was the sketchiest thing I've ever done so now we don't have to go onto sketchy websites and download sketchy programs you can actually just do it through instagram thank you Adam Masseri. We love that. Now, this week is actually really exciting because we also posted a ton of really great resources in our private membership community for all of our members. So if you're not in that membership yet, tap the link in the description so that you can check it out, learn more about it. But what I will tell you is that if there's anything you need to be successful as a creator, it is in this membership. And if it is not, I will guarantee to put it in there for you. We have everything from templates, ebooks, resources. We do exclusive podcast episodes once a month where I answer all of your questions. We every week share weekly trending real sounds so that you don't have to go doing all of the searching. We also have a really great collaborative brand email database where we have almost 200 different brands and their contact information here for you so that you can very easily tap into those brands and see if they want to start partnerships with you and start to build those connections with them. You also have access to a community of almost 60 other creators who are there to help you with all the things that you're going through, bounce ideas off of, and we also do live Q&A get-togethers with those creators every month as well. Our next one is coming up in the middle of November. So if you get in now, you'll be able to come to our next live meeting. And those are really fun because you actually get to meet and network with other creators who are at the same point that you are and going through a lot of the same struggles. So less than $10 a week, invest in yourself. I will see you in the membership and I'm here to help you with whatever you need. Let me know how you guys like this episode. Send me a DM if you have any questions. And without further ado, 
let's dive right into the interview. So all of you creators who are listening obviously want to learn how to build long-term success as a creator because this is a fun job. We want to do it long-term. And honestly, figuring out how to do that can be pretty difficult. So today we are learning from the pro. Here we have Magda from Aspire. She has all the tea on being a successful long-term creator. So Magda, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. Yeah, Aspire is one of my favorite platforms. It's probably one of the first platforms I maybe ever used, actually. And so when I had the opportunity to chat with you, I was like, oh my god, this is like coming full circle. It's so exciting. Oh my gosh, that makes my day. Actually, I used Aspire way early on in my career to manage my influencer program before I worked here. Wow. So yeah, we we both probably go way back to the I early days. I love that. That's so awesome. I mean, just in the last few years, like you guys have made so many just improvements and changes at Aspire. Um, And one thing that I saw that is is pretty new is you guys are really like focusing on micro influencers and nano influencers and really trying to help smaller creators work with brands, which I love because it can be really difficult for smaller creators to make those relationships. So like, what are some of the things that you guys are kind of doing to help get these creators in front of awesome brands. Totally. Um, I'll take a step back and just introduce Aspire for anyone who's not familiar. Uh, So we're an influencer marketing platform. And really what we focus on is exactly what you said, facilitating really strong influencer slash creator, I should say, and (laughs) brand partnerships. Um, We absolutely see so much success with brands partnering with more of the micro creators early on and then growing with them. Uh, So we've built a lot of our tools to support that. Um, But really at the end of the day, what we're focused on is making sure that we can help facilitate these relationships and that brands can understand all the different ways that influencers can impact their business. I think one of the things that can give influencers a little bit of pause is not knowing what is the true value of what they're doing for a brand. So we want to make sure that we're kind of demystifying that for both brands and creators so that this is an industry that continues to grow. Um, So specifically on the micro-influencer front, really what we've dedicated the past several years to doing is building our creator marketplace. So for everyone who's listening, if you are looking for brand deals, Shameless plug, sign up for the Aspire Creator <laughs> Marketplace. Um, <laughs> I do not I get a commission it. for saying that, I promise. But um, but basically what this is, is it's kind of a um, proactive and reactive approach to finding or helping create these brand and creator partnerships. Instead of creators just sitting there and kind of waiting for brands to reach out or instead of creators doing a lot of that cold outreach themselves, they can log into the marketplace and basically see tons of different brands and lots of different campaigns and proactively apply to those. Um, So from a brand's perspective, this is huge. They don't want to have to go through and search and find creators and invite them. So Oftentimes, some of the most successful partnerships that I've seen uh, through Aspire have been the ones where the influencers are proactively reaching out. Um, so we you know, definitely make it as easy as possible for brands to search yeah. and invite creators, but also having that alternative uh, approach really does just maximize the amount of partnerships we're able to facilitate. And to date, we've paid out over a hundred, a hundred million, I should say, a hundred million dollars in creator payment have wow. been made through our platform. So it is working. Um, but yeah, that's just one of the ways that we are helping to facilitate these partnerships that I know micro creators are really looking for. Right, and I love that you guys are actually helping to educate the brands too, because. 
I think that's just as important as educating the creators, you know, like so many of the brands don't fully, like they know they want influencers, they know they need influencers, but they don't really fully understand like what we're valued at and like how to pay us. And again, like even just how to facilitate a partnership and how to create a brief and all of these things, like you guys really do make the process so much easier for them. And and I love that you're actually taking the time to educate them because who else is going to educate them. And then all of that ends up coming back to the influencers and the creators that are like, what the heck, this brand doesn't know what we're doing. Like, we're supposed to know, not know what we're doing. Like the brands are supposed to know what they're doing. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, that's what I focus on. I lead up the strategy team and our sole focus is making sure that brands understand the ins and outs of these programs, understand what, again, what is the value of an influencer or creator? Because if you think about it, you're certainly paying the influencers for the advertising, right? You're promoting on social media, you're accessing this highly engaged audience, but you're also getting content. And that is so important. And if you have the licensing right to that content, you can use those assets. A brand can use those assets, I should say, for any and all of their marketing initiatives. That's huge. Brands, there's never a brand that's going to say, oh, I have enough content. I'm good for now. Brands are always starved for content. So that's really where a lot of the power of influencer is unlocked is once we educate our brands on you're not just getting social media awareness and social media buzz, you're getting high quality assets that are going to ultimately improve performance for your paid channels. And it really is taking some of that pressure off the creator to educate. You know, we want to make it as easy as possible for creators to just focus on what they're best at, which is creating beautiful, high quality content. We can take over educating the brand and, you know, make it as easy as possible for both sides. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I'm also curious, you kind of mentioned like social awareness. And obviously at this point, I think most brands are on social media. If they're not, I'm not sure what they're doing. But they know that it's very important to, you know, like be on social media, but also to have people talking about them on social media, even organically too, I think. And as I've realized this year specifically, like me mentioning brands organically in content is such a great way for me to kind of like begin that relationship with them. So I know that Aspire helps brands engage creators who are mentioning them through social listening tools. Can you kind of explain to the creators listening a bit more of what this means? Does this mean that we have basically a better chance of landing gigs if we are organically mentioning them first? Yes, absolutely. It's not to say that you, that all bets are off if you haven't tagged a brand before, if you are not familiar with a brand. A lot of times, again, those can lead to really great partnerships if someone's trying a product for the first time. But it really is, you know, it's in general, tracking hashtags and tracking app mentions is incredibly important. So if you are are an influencer, um, I realize I'm using influencer and creator (laughs) fairly interchangeably. But, you know, different, but the same. But um, yeah, if you're a creator and you're really excited to work with a brand and you know that they have a hashtag that they're using to collect user-generated content, absolutely use that. Uh, I cannot tell you the amount of creators that I have talked to where they say, we just kept tagging and tagging and tagging. And then when we did finally send in our proposal to work with them, they said, hey, I know you. And you can also say, (laughs) not only do you know me, but here are 10 photos that I have given you basically free advertising for. So it always helps. Um, I think that what we talk about a lot with our brand partners is the power of real meaningful connections and the power. I, the, the word authenticity is so overplayed, but 
someone that's a true, genuine fan of your brand, those are ultimately going to yield the highest return from a partnership perspective. These people are going to be easier to work with because they've already been invested in your brand. They're going to be able to speak to your products or services with a lot more of a sophisticated um, approach. All, any and all of the above. So um, yeah, we definitely encourage our brands to look for people that are already fans. So on the creator side, if there are a couple of brands that you're really eager to work with, start tagging them and then also be proactive with some creative ideas that you might want to yeah. bring to the table. If you see their campaign and you know the Aspire Marketplace, for example, don't just apply to work with them. Say, hey, I would love to work with you. Here are a couple ideas that I have on how I could bring your product to life. Um, whether you're a comedian or an expert or whatever it may be, give your unique angle. Uh, and again, that's really going to cut through the noise when brands are filtering through different people that they could be working with. Right. I completely agree with that. Like, I think about it from the brand's perspective, like put yourself in their shoes. Who are you going to invest in? The person that sends you like a cold pitch and you've, you know, they've never mentioned your brand before. You've never heard of them before. Or the person that is almost like the squeaky wheel where like, they're like, Hey, I exist. I exist. Mm -hmm. I exist. And then you're like, okay, we get it. You love us. Like that's the person you're going to invest in. Because again, you know that they can speak to your product or service so well because they're clearly big fans, but also they're willing to put in the time to create free content for you. And that I think says a lot because I know a lot of creators are, this is kind of like up for debate, I guess, because a lot of creators don't want to create content for free for these brands, but I think there's a way to do it that's, you know, still lets you kind of have the door open for creating you know, a piece of content that you can actually get paid for, you know, you organically mentioning the brand in a story, or even Mm -hmm. like in some sort of a roundup, like I've done somewhere, I'm like, Oh, my favorite, five favorite tools to use as a creator. And you know, I can share five different companies that I really love. And that's not necessarily like a dedicated ad to that brand. Like that's what I want to do when the brand actually hires me. So I think there's there's ways to do it that makes sense. But it just, when you put yourself in the brand's shoes, they're going to want to go with the person who's willing to show that they're dedicated and has already shown that they're dedicated. Absolutely. And there's a way to do it exactly what you mentioned that won't leave the creator feeling like, oh, I'm doing free work. Yes. For example, posting a photo and just tagging all the products. Like you said, um, everything I bring to the beach and it's six different products, ideally non-competitive, the brand that you love is in there. Um, it is just a great first step and it really does lead to more of a warm partnership right out of the gate. Yes. Uh, even if they don't respond to that or they don't repost it, which more often than not, they will. A lot of brands are reposting whatever, yeah. whenever they're tagged, but you can always just send it to them and be like, Hey, here's proof that I do love you. I have posted about you several times. Um, and I think also, And let me know what you think about this, but I feel like a lot of creators are very hesitant to post about brands or can be hesitant to post about brands for free. But ultimately, your followers want to see the products that you love. So even if it's not a sponsorship, I do think it is in your best interest to continue to talk about products you love and the money will follow. If it is leading to an uptick in sales, the brands will see that. They'll see, oh, I was at mentioned and our sales for that day spiked or like whatever it may be. So I think you are continuing to, I guess, support your audience by giving these recommendations, even if it isn't a formal partnership. Right. And I think it's only beneficial for you with your audience also, because then when you do 
a paid partnership. Like they've already heard you talk about this brand before. It doesn't feel like it's out of left field. And this is like something like you're just doing very obviously for money. Like it feels a lot more organic as well. But also it's kind of like that thing of, of repeat exposure. Like as people see it more, after they've already seen you organically mentioned it a few times, now it's an ad. They're like, okay, this is maybe the third time I've seen this. Like, fine, I'm going to go check it out now. You know, sometimes it takes people a little bit of time. So there's that perspective. But also, if you're someone who maybe doesn't tag a lot of products or doesn't share a lot of products, and then you any brand you get hired by and are starting to share a product, again, it might feel like it's a little out of left field in general, too. So you're right, sharing product, I think, or sharing services, your recommendations, whatever it is, I think is only going to be beneficial for you, especially when you are doing a paid partnership one day. Absolutely. Act like an influencer long before you're an influencer, I think I is, is the general rule of thumb. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that totally makes sense. I love that. Um, so with creators who are applying for partnerships on Aspire, obviously, again, you guys are a huge platform. You're only getting bigger. There's so many creators on Aspire. There's a lot of brands actually on Aspire too, but there's still a ton of creators. So when they are kind of trying to consider that there's a lot of competition, they want to get this job though, like how can a creator stand out in their applications on Aspire, maybe aside from again, like organically tagging them? Is there anything we can kind of say in our message that you think could help us stand apart? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is don't just click apply, um, click apply and send a personalized message. So yeah. even if this is again, is a brand that you've never heard of before, but you're just interested in them, give Give this brand some insight into who you are as a creator, uh, what type of content you create. And then again, as I mentioned earlier, a couple of ideas for how you could bring this story to life. Um, they love thought starters. A lot of times this is where they are the most stuck is what are creative ways that we can promote this product or service on social. So taking some of that off their plate is going to be really helpful. I think also any sort of metrics that you're able to share, if you're able to share um, things like how many click-throughs you generally get on your LinkedIn bio, uh, if you're an affiliate partner, how many sales you're generating on a monthly basis, post saves, a lot of this, a lot of right. those metrics um, really will help a brand understand and kind of picture what the partnership will look like. That's going to be really helpful. And then I think the last piece is any sort of collab history that you have. If you've done posts for other brands that you're really proud of, throw that into a media kit and put that in the message. Uh, but generally, that's where we see the most response rate is when a creator is not only applying to work with the brand, but adding that personalization and just a little bit more information up front. Yeah, again, like when you just hit that apply button, it's, you know, like it, you're not giving yourself the best opportunity there. You're not introducing yourself. You're you're literally just hitting an apply button and asking for money. You know, like you're not yeah. doing anything that's going to actually make this brand want to give you that money. So that is really important. I actually have a personal experience on Aspire, maybe last year, I don't know, time flies, it could have been the year before too. Um, but I worked with hippies through Aspire. Mm. And that was actually the way that I got this partnership. Like we had kind of gone back and forth a few times with me applying, maybe not being chosen, applying, not being chosen. And then when I applied this one time, I gave them this idea of I want to make a video where me and my boyfriend are like, I'm hiding my hippies around the whole house because I don't want him to take like my good snacks, you know? And so 
I think a lot of creators get nervous to share their ideas because they're like, well, what if the brand takes it? But also, you know, like that doesn't really happen because how Mm -hmm. often are they going to want to like go find another couple and like go find someone to recreate the whole idea? It would be easier for them to just pay you to do it. And so that was the idea. Like they, they finally answered me and were like, oh my gosh, we love this idea. Awesome. How much, how much are you charging? And so those ideas can really be such a good selling point for you. Sometimes I know it's kind of scary to put them out there into the world, but like as creators, like you're an idea machine, like you have to just pump them out. This is just one of the few ideas that you might have. That's such a good example. And I think, I mean, not just that, that's exactly what we see be the biggest point of relief for our brands when you know hippies for example gets a proposal like yours like oh my gosh thank goodness they have it figured out tell me how much money you want and it just you know again it also helps from a negotiation perspective because now you can say hey really everything is built out i don't even need a creative brief i got this and yeah definitely recommend that yeah i mean it creates less work for the brand to have to like figure out what you're gonna post and like if you're just selling them on an idea again like you're, you're just ready to go all you need to do is figure out how much you're getting paid and then there you go um so yeah I, I love that idea of kind of just like how that as a differentiating kind of factor there for you as creators but again I know people are scared to share ideas but there are just so many creators out there there's so much saturation that your ideas could literally be the one thing that sets you apart. So absolutely. And you also can think about, I mean, it doesn't have to be, if, if you're nervous about that, which I do understand completely, you don't have to give your best secret sauce, most yeah. <laughs> wild idea if you do, if you are nervous, but also think about it from the brand's perspective. Right now, brands are under a microscope and creators are quick to call brands out. If you were to pitch that to hit peas, they are, um, and they went with another creator, and you screenshotted your pitch, and it went viral on TikTok. <laughs> that brand is in trouble. So brands, it's also in brands' best interests right now to not be shady and to not do things like that. So I think that True. as the creator economy matures, it's just becoming more and more rock solid, where these sorts of things just are happening way, way, way less frequently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it happens less often than you would think, especially now. Um, So with kind of thinking about like, I guess how creators and brands used to work together versus now, I know like back when I started as a creator, like you had to have 100,000 followers to work with a brand. Like you weren't getting paid unless you had this huge, huge following. Obviously things have changed so much, especially in the last year or so. More and more brands do want to work with micro influencers and nano influencers because they know that they have those really loyal communities. You know, they have the Mm -hmm. time and the ability to really make connections with all of these people. Whereas someone with 100,000 followers, like it's near impossible to talk to every single one of those people. So what is the kind of like follower range that you're seeing more and more brands that aspire aiming to work with? Like you see them looking for more micro and nano influencers? Yeah, definitely. So it's not the best answer, but it, it definitely depends on the brand, the budget, yeah. et cetera. But generally we recommend a mix of micro uh, and mid-tier creators, and then maybe one or two macros. So I would say like 70% of your mix is creators that are under, let's say 50,000 followers Mm with 50% of that being under 10,000. Basically the way we see it working incredibly well is these micro and uh, more nano creators, they, as you mentioned, have 
a ton of trust with their followers. All of the creators that I follow are on the micro or nano side because I'm looking yeah. for niche recommendations in my city, you know, all of those types of things. Right. So those people can really drive home the engagement, the conversations, and then having one or two macro creators can kind of act almost as like a celebrity endorsement. So think like Remy Bader and her work with Revolve. Right. She is, you know, the... She has a collection with them. She's posted about them so many times. She is a celebrity in her own right. And that partnership makes a lot of sense, but they wouldn't just put all their eggs in that basket. There still are hundreds, if not thousands of micro and nano creators that are consistently posting about Revolve just to keep that engagement alive in those more micro communities. So to answer your question, I'd say it's like a 70-30 split, 70% being more micro and nano with a splash of mid-tier and then 30% mm-hmm. reserved for more macro creators. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. It, it makes sense because they kind of get to like check off all of their boxes of what they want out of a campaign and they get that nice variety. So that's that's really interesting. I'm also curious to hear about metrics aside from follower account. Like when it comes to, you know, views or engagement rate, like are there any, I guess, kind of like industry standards that you guys typically are like recommending to brands or or saying to them, like, you want to find creators that are, you know, within X range of this and X range of that? Yeah. So it's actually funny because follower count is probably the last thing that we're looking at. It is such a vanity metric now, especially with TikTok. There are people where I just eat up their content and I could not tell you how many followers they have. Um, It just, it's such an interesting shift that we're seeing. What we're looking at generally are going to be for, you know, TikTok or for Reels, we're going to want to look at views. Um, And it's hard to say like an arbitrary number of views, but you want to make sure that the views are relative to um, the follower size that they have. Mm -hmm. So less about caring about the follower size, more making sure that their content's getting in front of people. Um, But the biggest one I think today and will probably remain is engagement rate. So looking at between five to 7% engagement rate, Uh, is kind of the sweet spot for a lot of brands because then that's showing that the creator has an active, engaged audience, people that Mm -hmm. do care about what they're talking about, people that want to be a part of the conversation. Then we can get a little bit lower down the funnel uh, when creators are comfortable with this uh, is looking at things like what is their average click-through rate? Um, Post saves is a great way of showing purchase intent. Those are all additional metrics that I think a brand will want to track Uh, on the other side of the partnership. So after the partnership has already happened, but leading into it, definitely looking at engagement rate is going to be the most and probably continue to be the most important. Yeah. Engagement rate is something that we all know is so important, but I think as creators, engagement rate is like where I find myself the most like hung up. It gets Mm -hmm. me the, gives me the most anxiety is my engagement rate because It's so hard sometimes, especially like I guess on Instagram in the last six or so months for creators to get the reach that they're looking for. And then obviously if you're not getting the reach, it's hard to get the engagement as well. So I know that from what I've talked to, you know, other creators about influencers are really struggling more than ever with their engagement. But obviously like this is something that brands consider you know, very seriously. So how Mm -hmm. can a creator kind of like manage the expectations um, of a brand that they're working with when it comes to engagement? Like, especially with the actual piece of sponsored content, sometimes those don't perform as well as the regular content does. Like, 
how can yeah. we kind of manage those expectations? Totally. So there's a huge caveat that I should have included is in the past six months, especially as Instagram gets more experimental with their content types, yeah. it is really causing a lot of like wacky engagement issues. Yes. So this is something, again, that we are very upfront about with our brands where I think three years ago, engagement rate was incredibly predictive and it yep. was one type of content, but now we're not in a world where it's just a photo on Instagram, a video on YouTube, right. um, and a live streaming on Twitch. It is so many different content types, so many different formats. All the platforms are kind of merging to one in terms of the type of content you're creating, yeah. this huge movement towards full screen video sound on. So we do recognize that that is definitely messing with engagement rates. So we are very transparent about that with our brands. And That's we'll awesome. say, take this with something of a grain of salt. If the content is great, if their pitch is awesome, if they seem to align from a values perspective, go for it. Um, when it comes right. to the piece of sponsored content not performing as well, that again is something that we're seeing across the board. And that is honestly because the social platforms want to prioritize paid ads. So a great way around this is as a part of your pitch, say, we'll grant you advertiser access to our account so you can run an ad through this content. That'll boost the engagement. And mm -hmm. again, that will help the brand see some of those lower funnel metrics that they're looking for. So that's a great way to combat it is just upfront say that they can boost it to a bigger audience. Right. Yeah, I actually, I love that idea. And sometimes with sponsored work, I've been like, maybe I should just like put some money behind this because I, as a creator, I feel bad if, if it doesn't perform where a brand expects it to perform. Like it's hard to, as a creator to not feel like it's our fault, but totally. obviously again, like we do everything we can and like Instagram's still going to do whatever it feels like at the end of the day. But I've always thought about putting money behind a post, but then I'm like, Oh, well then like, are they going to think it's like, it's really not performing well and that it was bad that I put money behind it. But it's an interesting thought to just ask the brand, like, do you Have want them to put do the this? Money behind it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Like put the ball in their court. Brands. I mean, we were just at um, the meta performance summit and this was the theme of the day is that the best top performing ads are the ones that are featuring creator content are run through creators accounts. Um, it's performing incredibly well and it is really piquing the interest of performance marketers across the board. So having that up front where you are offering that access or um, offering just not only the posts that you're doing, but a bundle of a couple additional pieces of content they can use for their own ads. Those right. are a lot of ways to do it because, yeah, I mean, it absolutely is – it's not as predictable as it used to be. And for creators, yeah. I can definitely recognize how that would cause some anxieties. But um, I think the ads piece is really, really a way to help that. Yeah, I love that. I'm definitely going to be using that idea. So thank you. <laughs> so speaking of like multiple pieces of content, I think for most creators, the dream is that we just have this handful of brands that we continuously work with, you know, long term partnerships, I think, mm -hmm. are so great from a performance standpoint, first of all, because I know, again, that repeat exposure, if I'm posting about something once a month for a whole year, like you better believe people are going to listen, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love the idea of long-term partnerships. Now on a platform like Aspire, where a lot of the times it's like, here's a campaign, you know, apply to this campaign. Okay. We do this campaign and then you get paid. How can you kind of turn that into a more long-term partnership with that brand? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So the good news is that we on the brand side, my focus is providing strategic advice to our brands. We're really aligned that the most successful partnerships are these long-term ones. For everything that you mentioned, from a brand's perspective, having that repeat exposure, yeah. uh, it no longer feels like an ad and it feels more like something that people are expecting. I purchased products after seeing my favorite creators post about them multiple times. So we're really aligned that that's the, the most effective uh, type of partnership, starting with a test of maybe a month to three months and then moving into yeah. six months to a year. Um, from a platform perspective, this is probably more relevant for the brand side, but we are making changes. So it isn't so campaign focused and it is more focused on the evergreen relationship. Um, so that will just make it much easier. But from a tactical perspective, if I if the you know if I was giving advice to a creator, I would say make those intentions clear up front. Again, brands dream. All the conversations that we have is they want the same thing that you want. They want a group of a <laughs> hundred to two hundred creators that they know perform well, that they work with on a regular basis. They don't want to reinvent the wheel every quarter. So if you say right out of the gate, "Hey, I'm really excited about this, and I know we're working together for this campaign, but I'd love to." you know, talk about the possibility of a longer term partnership, that's music to their ears. So it really is either you're going to ask them or we're going to advise them to ask you. So you might as well just kind of take that leap early on in the relationship yeah. and shoot them a note and let them know that you'd love to be a longer term ambassador. Yeah, I love that the brands, it's so funny to think about like the brands really are so aligned with us. It's just like finding a way for us to all get together and like, talk about the same things that we all want. So I absolutely love that. And it's so good to hear that as part of what you do with your job, like you are advising brands to do that. Because again, I think it's in, in everyone's best interest. It really is. If you as a creator are posting about a hundred different brands in a year's time, it, yeah. you know, it does start to fall on deaf ears. Uh, and that can be tricky to navigate. Uh, I think we've moved away from that for the most part. But yeah, yeah if we're able to help facilitate just a handful of these really important relationships where creators can say, okay, I have my work set for the next, you know, two quarters, for example, yeah. brands can say, I know exactly what to expect from a content perspective. Everyone can breathe easy then. Exactly. No, that's, that's awesome. It's also kind of like this idea of what platforms are we posting on? So like long-term partnerships, yes, you could just do, okay, we're going to do this many Instagram posts, but I've also seen brands asking like oh let's do you know an Instagram post this month let's do a TikTok post next month let's do one of each the month before whatever it is but TikTok has definitely become something that I'm seeing more and more brands either like add on to Instagram partnerships or just asking for TikTok content in general um do you find that more of the brands that you're onboarding are looking for TikTok as well like what's the split between like Instagram and, and TikTok that's a really good question. I'd say it's still majority Instagram. That is where brands are most comfortable. That's yeah. kind of the safe space. Uh, so during onboarding, what I hear the most is we're looking for Instagram, but we have experimental budget for TikTok or we want to test TikTok. Okay. Then what ends up happening is the TikTok content performs so well that the next campaign is we're doing just TikTok. Um, yeah. I think Reels is a very healthy and real competitor to TikTok for people that aren't as comfortable on the TikTok platform, want to keep it on Instagram, mm -hmm. Reels is a great option. And brands are recognizing that for sure. But yeah, I would definitely encourage creators to be as diverse as possible with the platforms that you're posting on. A lot of what I see actually as like, 
the most successful creators are the ones that actually started on YouTube because they're comfortable with video. They're great yeah. at it. So YouTube is their primary and then they have Instagram to show behind the scenes and then they're already right. video pros. TikTok is easy peasy. Um, but that transition I definitely recognize can be tougher for people who historically have only posted photos on Instagram. Maybe they're less comfortable yeah. in front of the camera. Um, but it's definitely worth testing and figuring out what your voice could be on those platforms because we definitely do see a huge, a huge push towards yeah. TikTok from our brands. Yeah, I just read an article not too long ago in the last couple of days that was talking to different brands and showing like what the split of their budget used to be between Instagram and other platforms and what it is now between TikTok and other platforms. And it really is crazy to see so many more brands pouring money into TikTok than, you know, they were last year or definitely the year before. But one thing I'm also seeing a lot of recently with I guess my own experience is working with brands, but also just on the internet in general is content creation or like UGC as everyone is kind of, I know they're two different things, but I think it's interesting how it just all merged into UGC. Um, I've also seen so many creators just doing UGC or content creation. So again, with the brands that you're working with, you see that there's some of them that are looking for just content creation as well. Absolutely. Some of our biggest clients, like enterprise beauty brands that I'm sure you would know, but you know, I can't can't give yeah, specific yeah. names. They are using us just for content creation. Again, because they need so many assets on a weekly basis to fuel all of their ads, email marketing, website needs, etc. So absolutely. That's again, that's really when I think the light bulb switch happens for a brand is when we say, hey, not only did you get this amount of engagements, clicks, et cetera. But now you have a content library of 5,000 assets and you have broad usage rights to all of them. That's really incredible. So definitely see for brands or for creators, I should say that maybe you're struggling to find traditional sponsorship deals. If you're savvy with editing, if you you know can capture a good angle, definitely worth offering just content packages where you can say, I'll give you 10 photos, two videos. I'm never going to post about you, but I'm selling you just these assets. There's a huge need for that. Um, And I think it's becoming more and more of a leading value point versus kind of a nice to have that brands are like, oh, this is cool. And now it's like, oh, I'm coming here with the idea that I'm getting diverse assets from a hundred different creators. Yeah. I mean, the cost of them going out and hiring a model, a photographer, a makeup artist, location, stylist, like all of that costs so much. So it's just cheaper, again, to hire a creator to do all of that work for you. But also the idea of like versatility, you know, like if it's the Mm -hmm. same, if they hire the same models or just models in general to promote all of their, their products and stuff, and that's all you see in their ads, I feel like at this point in time, we're, you know, like that maybe that's not the best way to sell something. Like we want to see real people using it. We don't want to see people that were hired by the brand necessarily. Like we want to see people's genuine experiences. And, you know, that's where UGC comes in so well, I think. Um, And I'm sure that UGC in comparison to like an ad that the the brand went out and created probably will sell a lot more than, you know, what they're creating. Absolutely. I mean, for anyone listening who is a creator, you can look at our website and look at some of our case studies. Also, Meta will have case studies on this. TikTok will have case studies on this. Time and time again, 
UGC influencer content is performing better from a pure organic perspective on their own social channels and from an ads perspective. So it very much is in your best interest to start thinking about what you would charge for that type of content. Um, And you're exactly right. You're giving brands the diversification that they need for, let's say, a soda company. The ad that I see can and should be different than the ad my colleague who lives on the West Coast would see. Um, And creators are able to provide that level of diversity that otherwise would cost tens of thousands, if not millions of dollars for the brand. So that really is kind of the the selling point in a lot of ways for anyone, any brand who I should say is on the fence about influencer marketing. It's okay, fine. We won't post on social, but you need these assets, don't you? And yeah, that's when the magic happens. Exactly. I think for creators too, like the ability to maybe work on sponsored stuff as well as content creation, it's just a great way to be able to, you know, up your ticket price or make more Mm -hmm. income so that you are able to you know, work with these brands more long-term and, and really build long-term success as a creator. Um, obviously, like the hustle is real for creators. We are constantly looking for jobs um, to make sure that our income is at a reasonable level. Um, how can creators, I guess, build more long-term success? Maybe they quit their nine to five jobs and they're like, we're going to go for this full time. Like, let's see what happens. What are some things that creators can do to kind of make sure that it's steady, I guess? Totally. So my advice would generally be to continue as long as you can with your nine to five until you have enough work booked up that would provide you comfortable means of living uh, for six months. That way you're not just, and again, I'm not a financial advisor, so don't take this as long. (laughs) Don't come for her. (laughs) Consult your financial advisor or your parents or whoever, but um. Generally, if you you know jump ship too soon, I think I've seen some creators end up discouraged. Uh, if yeah. you hold off too long, you are leaving quite a bit of sponsorship money on the table. So, around the six six months of comfortability, I think is a is a yeah. fair approach. I would say diversify your skill set. So start putting together packages of what you would pay for just content. Start shooting test content to show a brand, in theory, this could be you with, let's say, a sunscreen. Um, This is what I would do for a sunscreen brand. Um, Start testing those other platforms like TikTok. Figure out what your angle would be if you're creating video content. Um, And then just think about other like skill sets that you could bring to the table. One thing that's really big is if you can do anything around Canva, editing, whatever it may be, so that it's not solely dependent on if a brand wants to hire you to post on your social media channels. You have a couple different options. Um, One of my colleagues, her name is Kara. Her Instagram is right foot creative, and she is a pro at this sort of diversification. A lot of her income does actually come just from doing photo shoots, sending that content to the brands. um, And that's where she's making, I would assume the same amount, if not more than she's making from the sponsorship. So that would be my advice. Um, and then yes, be bold and let the brands know right out of the gate, Hey, I want long-term partnerships. Hopefully you can secure four to five and then boom, you're home free. Yeah, absolutely. Again, those long-term partnerships, I think are such a big, just important part of being a successful creator long-term because you have to do way less hustling every month to try and find jobs and you can spend more of that time really like pouring yourself into working with those brands and then they want to work with you even longer so you end up hopefully in in really good relationships with these brands 
Um, I want to shift just a tiny bit to kind of like look at the bigger picture here. Um, obviously, the economy right now is like going through it. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you expect the issues with the economy to impact, you know, the, maybe the income that creators are able to bring in or the budgets that brands do have right now? Yes. So a lot of marketing budgets are cut. That's just the reality of the situation we're in. We've been here before. We'll definitely be here again. Um, So I think it is, again, as we think about like leaving your nine to five or doing this full time, it might be in a creator's best interest to be a bit more conservative just right now as we navigate Mm -hmm. this. But the one thing that's really interesting is we're actually seeing the influencer industry continue to grow. So for example, in 2020, when COVID hit, we saw a lot of slashes to influencer budgets. Now in 2022, we're not seeing that. And we're in quite a bit of a more uh, dire, if you will, financial situation than we were back then. So I think a lot of this is because brands now really understand the full impact that influencers have. They're advertisers, they're able to sell products, they're able to sell out of products, they're able to provide the content, et cetera. So um, we're actually not seeing a huge slash in budgets. The industry is poised to be 15 billion in valuation by the end of the year. Um, but that said, I, I would just advise, uh, creators that are kind of on the fence to maybe be a little bit more conservative, stay with that, yeah. that day job and maybe wait it out six more months. Um, that's fair. Before jumping ship. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And how about the creator economy in general? Like, where do you see it going in the next three to five years? That's a really good question. So (laughs) I really see creators as becoming extensions of these brands marketing teams. It is crazy how influencer marketing has changed since I started this started in what was it 2015? I started in the world of influencer on the brand side. Um, it's no longer just a post on social. We're seeing yeah. creators be incredible salespeople and drive tens of thousands of dollars through affiliate links. We're seeing creators co-host live shopping events. We're seeing creators co-host in-person live events, uh, co-create products, have exclusive lines, yeah. act as advisors to these companies' own social media teams. It's just so integrated. So my prediction is that we'll see less and less of a traditional, we're paying you X amount of dollars for X posts on social media and more of a, we're contracting you as a partner for this amount of money over the next year. Um, That's the world, of course, that I'm pushing for because I think that, again, it's so in the best interest of both creators and brands. Um, But yeah, I just see it continuing to get way more integrated and also a lot more transparency around um, what to pay, around performance, what actually is the impact of a post on social, just more tracking, et cetera. I love that. It's so funny. So right before we started talking, I was recording another episode um, with a talent agency and we were kind of talking about the same thing where like creators are brands, like they're they're doing mm-hmm. more than just like a sponsored post here and there, you know, like they're really building companies and building businesses. And again, it's it's so crazy to see like it's only been such a short amount of time that creators have been where they are and it's only going to get like more wild and, and just bigger and bigger. And it's, it's again, so much in such a short amount of time. I can't even imagine what the next three to five years are going to look like. Absolutely. I mean, it's completely revolutionized marketing instead of this yeah. one to many marketing that we've been used to since we were little, it's now 
hyper-personalized conversations that are happening between influencers and their audiences in DMs. It's it's just completely transformed marketing yeah. as we know it. So definitely predict it will continue to become more and more of an integrated marketing strategy. I love it. So for anyone listening who's been debating, you know, am I going to take this seriously? Am I going to do this thing? I feel like it's not too late. There is still time. Like this thing is growing. This beast is just getting more and more wild. So I say get on it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And brands are always, always, always looking for new creators. So the biggest selling point that we have is there are new creators popping up every day. So definitely encourage people to start creating content, do some test shoots, um, and absolutely hop on the bandwagon. Thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. You provided us so much insight onto, you know, what the brands are looking for, what you guys are working with the brands on. And it's so helpful to hear all of this because as creators, like we don't really get the opportunity to like ask the brands these kinds of questions. So (laughs) thank you so much for being so transparent and for being here with us today. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Social Scoop brought to you by Your Social Mate, where we help entrepreneurial creators learn how to monetize and turn their online influence into a legitimate, profitable, and self-sustaining business. We hope you absolutely love this episode and come back every Tuesday for a new one. If you really enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review here and send us a DM to let us know your favorite part. We're an open book if you ever want to discuss episodes. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at KBOUSQ. We'll see you next week.